Thank you, Kelly, very much, and happy day to you, Gardner. And I hope it's been a good week for you. I hope it's been a great week for you. We are here to talk about the plants at your place. We are halfway through May, and uh, that means about 80% of the way through spring. Summer could pop on us at any time. Give me a call, won't you? Let me have a chance to help you with the plants at your place. 888-256-1080. The Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Here every Saturday, just a little after 11 until just a little before noon. I don't uh, I don't get a full hour in, but we come pretty close to it. 888-256-1080. Jared Taylor is running the boards in the other studio. He is catching the calls in that same other studio. And I'd like to I'd like to see your name go up on that call board. We have Frankie and Burleson and and we'll go to Frankie in just a moment. And uh, Frankie called right at 11 and wanted to get right on hold and be the first call up. So I appreciate that. It's uh, been an interesting week. A lot of rain, cool weather. And uh, now we're going to go to a lot of rain and a little bit warmer weather in our part of Texas. And as I say, and, and I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and as I say that, I do not lose sight of the fact that there are parts of my listening audience uh, to the west and northwest that are very dry, and I I understand, and my heart goes to you because I have lived through those nightmares, and it isn't fun. It's just not fun. It's hard to talk uh, and think about gardening when you're not getting any rain to support your, your favorite hobby. So anyway, but I'll try my best to help you any way I can. Again, 888 888- 256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. The middle of May, one thing that comes to my mind that needs to be done in the middle of May, a couple of things that come to my mind that just kind of red flag for me in the middle of May, and those of you in Victoria and Corpus Christi and, and Bryan College Station and uh, deep deeper in, into the state south, uh, this uh, probably happened a week or two ago. It's chigger season. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I always figure uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, I've learned the hard way that from mid-May to mid-July or so, when it turns really hot and really dry uh, for us, that that's the time I need to protect myself before I go out and work in, in Bermuda grass or in tall weeds, because that's when the chiggers are really, really active. And I prefer to protect myself rather than trying to spray the whole world. And so I'll use DEET. I use OFF or one of the other comparable products, and I just spray my, my arms and my legs and uh, outsides of my pants and my socks and shoes and anything that might be a, a, a bridge from them, from their environment to my body. Uh, it is no fun. If, if you're from the north and you don't know exactly what chiggers are, uh, they are microscopic, and they climb to places where you don't want to be scratching. And I had a friend once who was from upstate New York, and uh, they had some investment property that uh, on which they were raising live oaks. And he came to me one day, and he said, Neil, I don't know how to tell my wife. I've got some kind of problem. And uh, he said, it's just itching, and I'm embarrassed where I'm itching. I said, what's the matter? And he described it, and I said, what have you been doing the last three or four days? He said, well, we just worked out at our farm. Uh, cutting weeds away from the oak trees i said uh, to him and i almost used his first name just now that wouldn't have been good with it i said you are loaded up with chiggers and uh, i didn't have to i didn't have to look and didn't want to look uh, because i've been there i have stood in bermuda grass mowed bermuda grass even closely mowed bermuda grass and uh, man about 18 hours later you say 
think I made a mistake. So the DEET products will work. There are some other things that work somewhat, but I'm a big believer in DEET unless you have an allergy, and then I'm going to let you deal with your own uh, specialist. That's not my field, but uh, when it came to West Nile virus and people were complaining about using DEET, I said, you know, unless you have a medical reason, you better use it. This is life and death. With chiggers, not life and death. It just feels like it. Anyway, mid-May is my time for, for thinking about that. And another thing that is very important right now is uh, if you have had crepe myrtle bark scale, the insect that looks like mealybugs on the trunks and twigs of your crepe myrtle plants, uh, this is the time to treat them with the systemic insecticide imidacloprid. Imidacloprid. It's, it's the most common insecticide in the world today, and uh, it's I-M-I-D-A-C-L-O-P-R-I-D. If you get into any mainline, uh, uh, mainstream, uh, independent retail garden center or hardware store, they will know what you're asking for. If you can just begin the spelling of the word, they'll know what you mean. It's going to be in the fine print. No big label is going to say that, but... But in the fine print, it will tell you that I am imid, I-M-I-D-A-C-L-O-P-R-I-D. Uh, you, you pour that around. It'll have directions on the label. You buy the liquid, and you pour it around the uh, base of the plant, and it goes into the plant and is taken in so that when the scale insects begin to feed on the, on the twigs and uh, uh, it is it is there waiting on them. It will kill them, and, and uh, they may not drop off immediately, but they're gone. Um, and uh, for those who are still uh, thinking that that is uh, part of the bee colony collapse, that has been uh, proven by universities not to be the case, not any more than anything else in the environment. So uh, I'm very comfortable in recommending that. That information, by the way, is on the website uh, of our Crepe Myrtle Trails of McKinney.org, C-R-A-P-E, Crepe Myrtle Trails.org. If you go there, crepe, C-R-A-P-E, crepemyrtletrails.org, and uh, click on basic care, uh, you'll see uh, pest control, and that's that's where all of that is written down. I, I wrote most of that website, and so it's there waiting for you. Anyway, that's enough to get us started. Let's uh, fill up those phone lines, 888-256-1080. The time to treat for the crepe myrtle bark scale and for crepe myrtle aphids is the middle of May, May 15th, and so we are we are there now. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I am continuing for a short time longer. I have signed about a thousand more books this week, and I have a few more, another thousand or two to do, and then I'll be caught up. And when I'm caught up, the price will go to thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. But for the time being, I'm leaving it at thirty-one ninety-five, and that is for the fifth printing of Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. That was the pre-printing price and the in-production price, and now it is the until Neil gets caught up price. I just don't feel like holding your money uh, for a week or two. Uh, without uh, sending the book immediately, and so that's uh, that's the reason I'm leaving this special in place for a very short time longer. This is the book with 344 pages, 840 of my photographs in 11 chapters that cover every aspect of outdoor uh, lawns and landscapes, fruit, flower, and vegetable gardening for the entire state of Texas all 254 counties. This book will be the go-to garden reference for you, I do believe. Chapter 2 is that 
that calendar of uh, 48 pages, four pages per month, telling you what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and sprayed in that month in your landscape and garden. It'll tell you things like I just told you a moment ago on sugars and on crepe myrtle bark scale and a whole lot more. All those photographs, all that information on a hardback book, printed in Texas, and only thirty-one ninety-five plus tax and postage. I'll sign your copy as it sells, and your satisfaction is completely guaranteed, or I'll refund every penny. Now, the book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. There are two ways that you can order it. The better way is from my website at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. This is for the fifth printing. If you have one of the first four printings, you don't need to buy it again. It's, uh, it's essentially the same. I've updated some things, but it's basically the same. But if you don't have it, it has the Adirondack chairs on the cover, not the cowboy boots, not anything else, the Adirondack chairs in our landscape on the cover. If you don't have it, you really need to get it. It's the best work of my career. Order it from neilsperry.com, or you can call my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769, the better way, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. At Mueller, they believe in value. Mueller's Value Plus buildings are pre-engineered, and they feature an easy-to-assemble, bolt-together design. Mueller's durable roofing panels are hail-resistant, and they come backed by a 30-year limited paint warranty. But true value never stops at just a quality product at a reasonable price. That Mueller True Value shows in the service you receive during your purchase and in how Mueller stands behind their product after the sale. Mueller understands that buying a steel building or a metal roof for your home can be lifetime decisions, and Mueller will provide assurance before, during, and for decades after your purchase. At Mueller, you simply get more. You get more for your money, you get more confidence in their company, and that gives you more value. Call them today at 877-2-MUELLER, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right, let me give you that number once again. Let's get some traffic going here, folks. 888-256-1080. You remember back when the, when the, the big freeze happened? You remember that? You kind of remember that? I think you might. And the phone lines just burned off the wall. And uh, now that we have nice weather, people are out working in their gardens. So how can I help you? 888-256-1080. Frankie and Burleson, our first call up this morning. Frankie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for sharing your expert knowledge with me today. Certainly. uh, We'll be the judge of that after I finish, won't you? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, We have a raised asparagus bed. Mm -hmm. It's five feet by five feet. It's about four years old and had the asparagus in it for about three years and had a great crop this year. But the soil has sunk down probably six to eight inches. Mm. And I don't know what to put on top of it, how thick, and when. 
You know what happens, and it happens to a lot of gardens. It happened in my hosta garden. I don't know if you know hostas, but hostas are uh, northern perennials that need a lot of rich organic matter, kind of like ferns would. And I prepared the most wonderful hosta garden, and about five years into it, I looked at it, and it was like a pool. What happened? And then I realized this many, many years ago. Then I realized all the organic matter broke down. It all decayed, and it goes to nothing. And um, that's what's happened to you. Uh, You could very easily uh, top dress that with a couple of inches of organic matter and and soil, kind of a potting soil mix. It won't hurt the asparagus. It's used to coming up through stuff like that. And I probably would do that. I might do that over the winter time. Um, I don't think I'd necessarily do it now. I don't think it would hurt. I'm kind of torn as to how to recommend doing it, whether to do a little bit of it now and and then some more in the winter. I probably would do maybe an inch or inch and a half of it now. Um, Where you have some topsoil or or sandy loam soil with some organic matter like compost mixed half and half, that's going to decay also. So five years from now, three years from now, you'll be asking the same question. What happened to that? But you'll know this time. Uh, but the soil will stay there, and, and you can continue to do that each year where you add an inch or two of that mix. You can do it best of all in, um, in, in the winter before the spears start to grow. So I'd say around uh, right after Christmas maybe before the, the new growth begins. Very good. I was just concerned how deep, you know, the roots would be. They won't go any deeper. Up. This stuff just okay. disappears. I when when I was a kid um, in College Station, that's a long time ago, and and uh, the Brazos Valley out west of College Station had a lot of cotton. That's really rich farmland, and cotton was was a, a big crop out there. And and Dad would buy every year a big load of cotton burrs from the cotton gin. And they would be dumped in our backyard. Great big uh, truckload, a, a dumping uh, bigger than a dump truck. And that pile would be huge. That would be in late fall. And and it would steam all winter. You'd go out with a pitchfork and turn it, spading fork, and it would just steam and steam and steam. And then by spring, it was about the size of a pickup bed. <laughs> it just went to nothing. And it, you know, that, that's what happens to organic matter and something like cotton, uh, uh burr waste, uh, uh, decays really quickly and disappears quickly. What you have experienced is, uh, whatever you put in doing the same thing. And that's why when we mix soil up, we try to use a little bit of everything so that we get a long term breakdown. That's why I recommend a finely ground pine bark. It doesn't break down very quickly and sphagnum peat moss and, compost and other things but now you can do it and i think you're right on track now i really appreciate your help this morning Thank i'm you. glad you called have a wonderful day uh-huh. thanks frankie all right let's go to crockett this will be roger let me give the number again roger before i come to you it's 888-256-1080 we have that line open if you'd like to grab it now while you can 888-256-1080 roger this is neil good morning hi hi how can i help uh, 25, uh, my oak trees, I have one gorgeous big ones. They're 50, 60 feet tall, and it's only 20% greens, on 20 to 30% greens on half a dozen trees. Yes, sir. Is that from the um, cold weather? Yeah, it is. Um, 
The uh, thing that we have been doing um, uh, is uh, working with, I've been working with the Texas Forest Service and with uh, a group of state-level arborists and uh, nurserymen, the president, incoming, it's not the president, it's not what it's called, it's the chairman of the board of the uh, Texas Nursery and Landscape Association and two former arborists of the year for the state and uh, several um, uh, county foresters around the state uh, to find out what they are seeing around the state. Uh, Greg Grant is a, a really good friend. Uh, he lives uh, in, in your area and uh, works as the Smith County horticulturist in, uh, in Tyler. And Greg okay. says he drives 60 miles each way each day through uh, forests that are just like yours and has he lives out in the country and has the same situation going on this is I, so i put a post up on my facebook page two weeks ago and said what are you seeing i posted an oak a schumard red oak that looked like you're describing and i said please post a photograph of your oak if it's not leafing out properly tell me what kind of oak you have and what city you're in and uh, i had more than two thousand photographs posted all the way from Aransas Pass to the Texas Panhandle and all the way from the Big Bend country to, uh, to the Sabine River, and, and so you would fall into that category. And you're not alone. It has happened all over the state. And the consensus opinion of all of these professional tree people, and I had my opinion in there too, and it, it concurred, luckily, was uh, we need to wait. They are leafing out. I put about uh, 30 miles on my car yesterday driving, looking at oaks, and they look better this week than they did last week, by and large. You know, if I look at a, 100 trees that didn't look good a week ago, uh, they, on the overall, they look better. There are some that look like, I'm not sure that is going to make it after all, but I'm, I'm not recommending any trees be cut or trimmed or injected with anything. And that is what the Forest Service is saying, and that is what the arborists are saying. Leave them alone. Let them get some good hot weather in, in the rest of May and June. They're not going to fall over. Obviously, they're too strong for that. Let's see how they, how they come back. And sure enough, some of the red oaks, uh, southern red oaks and Schumard red oaks, are beginning to show some leaves. And it's just the, this is the craziest year I've ever seen. Um, huh. I was out in my yard this morning filling bird feeders, and I noticed that the American beauty berries, just a little shrub that I have, um, that I have already trimmed, uh, they're sprouting out all the way up to where I trimmed them. I shouldn't have trimmed them quite so far. Well, it's a shrub, and it's going to be fine. But if that had been an oak, I would have really hated myself to have pruned so early. And they're just now budding out, and here it is halfway through May's. That's, uh, Roger, This you're not the only one, and, and this is something that... I'll bet I've spent probably five or, or six or eight work days um, interviewing and doing research on this. So just sit tight. Uh, if they were healthy okay. going into the winter, they're probably going to come out and be healthy at the end, and it may take all of this growing season for them to prove it. All right. They don't need any special fertilizer. They don't need any uh, special care and attention. If the bark splits, leave it alone. Don't do anything. Just look the other direction. Cover your eyes okay, and hold your good. nose, as they say. Okay, say it again. thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for the call. I'm sorry I talked so much. <laughs> so anyway, all right, that is uh, that is Roger's line. It's available now. Um, I've, I've had so many questions about, about oaks. 
so many and the reason is we love our oaks and and it's just the strange thing about it is that you can look at a hundred of them and and five will look like he described and the others look just absolutely perfect but that's kind of the way it is with any malady uh, it, it hits a small percentage all right we're going to come back and we will go to Stephen in amarillo and uh, that will be the next call up, and we, you could be soon thereafter if you would call right now at 888-256-1080. I love doing this program because I go from Amarillo to uh, maybe Victoria or Corpus or Crockett or Alpine. Alpine hadn't checked in yet this morning, but it's just really fun to do this program and go all over the state. I love my home state. And... One of the things that makes uh, Texas such a great state is the good people who are here, and I'm about to tell you about something very, very special uh, that uh, Mueller is doing. You know the name Mueller. They've been around 90 years building great buildings. Well, they're at it again. For the 13th year, they are giving away a free building to one nonprofit organization right here in Texas. This isn't just a building. It's a 4,000-square-foot building a facility to be built by the helping hands of Mueller dedicated to serve a Texas-sized community. Now here's how you enter. You go to MuellerInc.com and click on Helping Hand. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's how you spell Mueller. You need to have that right to get started. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Click on Helping Hand. That's where you can complete a questionnaire about why your organization deserves this blessing. Now, applications uh, will be accepted until May 18. It has to be in by May 18. Let us check what today's date is. May 15? Yikes! You better get busy. Get your group together and and see how you're going to fill out that questionnaire. For more information on Mueller Steel Buildings and Roofing, visit MuellerInc.com or call 877-268-268. 3553. And to see that questionnaire, go to MuellerInc.com and click on Helping Hand. More after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. And we go back to those old phone lines. Let's go to Amarillo, why don't we? Let's go to Stephen. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Good. It's Amarillo where it was freezing about, you know, I don't know what, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, something. You folks never get over winter, do you? We get all four seasons at one time, 365 <laughs> days a year here. I think you're right. I think you're right. How can I help you? All right. So we are new to growing potatoes this year. Okay. And uh, as is the case with most gardening items, if you research and read and learn from 100 people, you'll get 105. This is the only way to do it right. I love uh, your attitude already. You're exactly yeah. right. So I'll get number 106 from you. Um, we are growing in containers, uh, specifically cardboard boxes that are about 24 inches wide by about 18 inches long. And they, if the lids are folded up vertically, they could be another two feet tall. Um, so we've layered uh, well-rotted compost and hay and some dirt, straw hay, in there as our growing medium. And, of course, it's dropping as it decays, as you discussed with the last caller. Um, so how deep, and the, the growth on these potato plants is just explosive over the last week or two. Mm-hmm. So how deep does that need to stay in these container potato gardens, and how far up the stem, should I mound it or just continuously bury the stem, as some people uh, suggest, 
to, to produce more potatoes. Well, they're not produced up and down the stem. They're produced at the at the crown of the of the stem of where the where the stem enters the soil. And if you're having to add soil up the stem, then you're going to get what's called adventitious roots up the stem. It's not going to make more potatoes up the stem. So um, your your big concern is you don't want the you don't want the potatoes, the tubers, to run out of soil down below as it all compacts and decays and settles uh, out out into thin air or whatever happens to it. So um, I, I don't think you're going to get a 106th answer out of me. You're going to get the first answer, uh, and that is how to grow them in the ground. I, I'm kind of a basic plain vanilla mashed potatoes guy of, of growing them in the old standard way. In this case, I think you just need to make sure that there is uh, 12 inches of uh, good arable potting soil in those in those uh, boxes. I've never tried what you're describing. I've seen it uh, written. I haven't uh, I haven't tried it. Um, are, do you have the sides folded up so that they have the two feet, or are they folded down? At the moment, they're folded down just because I'm building the soil as as necessary. I, I would leave them. Yeah, I would leave them down because if you start making a, a tube out of them a, a square tube i'm i'm afraid you're going to have so much shade that they will just get really leggy okay that would, that would be and my for concern. the record mm-hmm. we also have uh extras because you know you chit potatoes and cut them and you end up with hundreds yes so we have some growing in the ground so that we can kind of do a side-by-side science wonderful experiment. wonderful yeah i think that's a good idea and you know when when they tell you to to plant a, a seed potato with with one or two eyes I look at that thing and I'm thinking, you know, that's really tiny. I'm not sure I want to put that thing out uh, in the elements all by itself, even after I've let it callous for a couple of days sitting on the countertop or in the garage. And so I'll I'll cut my my seed potatoes bigger than that. They'll have three or four eyes. And uh, when I buy a certified seed potato, I may only get uh, three pieces out of it, and I'm fine with that. It's not about getting every last penny out of the thing. Um, but, but I, I really prefer to plant them in the garden and plant them uh, a few inches deep and use really well-prepared soil. And then I can mound the soil up over them as they come up through it and just let them grow there. And if the soil is loose enough down in the ground, then they form beautiful tubers. They're fabulous. It's one of, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you, Stephen, because it's one of the most rewarding vegetables. And I didn't, I didn't raise them uh, myself for the first few gardens that I had. I, I just didn't take the time or give the space to them. And once I did, I'll never be without them. They're great. They are great. I, I don't try to go all the way to baking-sized potatoes. I, I use them as new potatoes, but they are delicious. They're wonderful. Excellent. So uh, just to kind of recap, as far as where mine have come up, because they've currently got about 9 to 10 inches of soil in my, my growing media. I think you need Would a little it be bit okay? more. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'd well, thank three, you very much. Maybe two or three inches more and just kind of monitor how they do. Is there any bottom to the boxes? Are they sitting on the ground? Or are they are they sitting on – what are they sitting on? There's the, the bottom flaps are folded up, but, of course, with water and soil in constant contact, it would take no effort for the roots to go ahead and, and dig through that decaying bottom of that box. And go into the soil. Yes. That helps. That helps. The tubers won't be down there, but the but the roots will be able to get some moisture and, and nutrients, whatever else. That's going to be interesting. 
I'm anxious to hear how it works for you. I don't yeah, know if you're I'll on Facebook. You. I don't know if you're on Facebook or not, but if you are, I'd love to have a, a photo posted on my Facebook page. It's a very active page. All right. Well, thank you. You have a great cool. weekend. Thank you, Stephen. Same to you. Take care. All righty. Let's see. I need to take a break, and then I'm going to come back and go. We're going to Alpine, folks. If you've never been to Alpine, you're about to go there with a question I never thought I'd get from Alpine. <laughs> I'll let you wait and find out what that is. It's one of my favorite places in Texas. Actually, it's where I spent my first two years of my life, and uh, I would spend a lot more time if I if I could do that. So anyway, great city. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. In fact, if you uh, if you look in the front uh, 20, 25 pages of uh, my book, you'll see several photos from Alpine. Uh, it is my latest and I think best work of my career. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening, 344 pages, 840 of my best photographs in 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, what it takes to be able to uh, grow things successfully in each part of the state of Texas. Chapter 2 is that calendar, a 48-page calendar of critical gardening tasks sorted out by the month, what you need to do in each month of the year, four pages per month. And then chapters 3 through 11 are uh, comprehensive, lengthy, detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Now, the book has just come off the press, the fifth printing. If you have one of the first four, you don't need to buy this one unless you want to buy it as a gift while the price is so low. But because I got myself about 3,600 books behind in getting them signed, I've left this special up until I get caught up. And uh, uh, it is, uh, it's going to be 3695 plus tax and postage. And until I'm caught up, I will sell it to you at 3195 plus tax and postage. It'll be a signed copy. And uh, the way you order it is from my website or by calling my office. The book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. I guarantee your complete satisfaction, or I will refund every penny you've invested in it. 63,000 copies sold so far, and not one request for a refund. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Now, you can order it the best way. The better way to order is at neilsperry.com. But you can also call my office Monday through Friday, business hours, 800-752-4769. 800-752-GROW. But the better way is at neilsperry.com. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. Folks, if you ever miss this program and would like to um, like to catch up and see what went on the preceding Saturday, it uh, podcasts of the program are always on my website at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I guess I have spelled that a few times for you today, haven't I? There it is one more time. Let's uh, go back to the phone lines to Gary in Alpine. Gary, this is Neil. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How I've are you? Yes, I'm sir. Great, thank you. Uh, I got a question for you about the chiggers. Uh, you had mentioned using imidacloprid uh, for uh, control of the chiggers. No, no, yeah. that was that was for another insect. That was for crape myrtle bark scale. Uh, okay. I use DEET right. for I use DEET for chiggers. I, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. All Off. right. Well, um, all right. Well, That'd my, be like nuclear bad. war on chiggers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
All right. Well, the imidacloprid is a is a neonic, and that was what my concern was uh, yeah. because those have been associated with a, a bee colony collapse. It is, order. as I mentioned in that in that uh, report for the uh, crick myrtle bark scale, that has pretty much been discounted by the research mm-hmm. scientists. They have found that that it is just one of many many things that uh, were suspected, mm-hmm. and and I'm well aware of that. I have spent yeah as as a member. Okay. Of the, well, I just yeah. wanted to ask about that. Do you have? No. Uh, any alternatives uh, to the imidacloprid uh, for use uh, that are, that aren't in the neonic family, just in case we want to be extra careful? Not that will be effective on crepe myrtle bark scale. I am uh, I am using it as a soil drench, putting it uh, topically right around the root system. Uh, uh-huh. It is being it is being applied six weeks prior to the bloom time, four to six weeks. Uh, therefore, it is uh, in the system and out of the system before. Uh, any bees would be active. It's uh, this has all been thoroughly discussed and researched by the research okay. uh, entomologists at Texas A&M. Believe me, we have spent right. days, well, not hours, infor- working on that. Thanks you bet. for the information. I enjoy your show a lot. Thank you very much. Tell Bye-bye. everybody hi in Alpine for me. Appreciate that. Thank you. Let's go to Derry and Lamisa. Derry, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, sir. Just wanted to call in and tell you thank you for. Uh, Telling me about the wild seed farms. Good. Uh, scattered out. Uh, I ordered the uh, Texas Oklahoma mix, and I scattered all those seeds out back in uh, late August, September. And my wildflowers are beautiful. I mean, they're. Uh, I, I I hate to brag, but I've never seen a picture in uh, Texas highways that's any prettier than my wildflowers are right now congratulations that's cool wish you could come out to the and and let me know what all they are (laughs) oh that sounds beautiful well they they would help you identify them at at wild seed farms they are wonderful people post a photo if you're interested post a photo on my facebook page i'd love to have it i I don't know how to do that all i have is a phone and a mailbox but (laughs) i got you i got you well congratulations that's great to hear all right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for the call. That's really inspirational. Thank you, sir. All right. Let me do a quick mention of eGardens, my electronic newsletter. Neil Sperry's eGardens comes out every Thursday, just a little after 6 p.m. There always will be five stories for you. One of the stories will be a featured plant of the week. One of the stories will be a featured question of the week, something I've been asked repeatedly. And also you'll have gardening this weekend where I point out the most important things that you need to be doing in the, in the next three or four days. Like I say, it comes out Thursday evening. And then there may be a couple of other stories. There always will be. This coming week, we'll have a story by Stephen Shambly. Always fun to see what he has. If you want to see what eGardens looks like, go to my website. That's where you sign up for it. It's free and always will be. And I will never spam you, nor will I give or sell your email address to anyone. Go to neilsperry.com and click on the eGardens tab. Let me do this one more time for you. That's N-E-I-L. S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com and click on eGardens. When people think of Mueller, they think of quality steel buildings and durable metal roofing. But that name Mueller means so much more. It means you'll have a product manufactured by Mueller, including in-house engineers to help design the building of your dreams. It means you'll have a company in business for 90 years standing behind your warranty. And it also means you'll get tons of added value, such as roofing site visits for 
forklift delivery and a Mueller assurance team ready to help you along the way. And Mueller is on the cutting edge, designing and manufacturing new products, such as their greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. To find out more about Mueller products, go to MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-268. 3553 or stop by one of their 33 locations. That's MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. Kelly, thank you very much, and I hope you will make a habit of tuning us in just a little after 11 every week. We just have a couple minutes left in the program. Let's go to Ken in College Station, my hometown, my other hometown where I grew up. Ken, how can I help you? Hi, Neil. I just have a pretty simple question for you. Uh, so I have you a, called uh, the right guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I have a St. Augustine yard, and I neglected to fertilize it last fall. And I've been just so busy, and the rains have hit, and I have not fertilized it yet this spring. Is it too late? No, not at all. Um, I would uh, I would fertilize it now, and then I might wait until fall to fertilize it. Early fall to fertilize again. I. Uh, if if you have a problem with a disease called gray leaf spot, gray leaf spot is uh, a disease that causes the um, causes the lawn to take on a yellow cast in the heat of the summer. Not now, but in the hottest of weather. Right. And when you look at the blades, there are diamond shaped gray spots on the leaves. That one is exacerbated by fertilizing in the summer, nitrogen in the summer, and so we try not to feed right when it's hot. Um, but it's not hot yet. It, it's not going to be much longer. So I'd go ahead. I'd go ahead and fertilize. Um, um, I'd fertilize fairly soon. What kind of rain are you expecting this week? Uh, we're we're supposed to have rain starting tomorrow and running all the way through next Friday. That's what I thought. Um, I think I would wait until this rain event passes. The okay. uh, water people uh, ask us not to fertilize right before rains because it goes directly into the into the rivers, into the water sources, and that makes sense to me. And plus, it, it's kind of silly to see your fertilizer wash away anyway. So <laughs> right. I would wait until uh, probably a week from now, and it won't be too late then. Uh, use a high-quality, uh, probably all-nitrogen fertilizer because of the clays in Brazos County with uh, upwards of half of that nitrogen in slow-release form. Your nursery can explain that, or the people at producers uh, can explain that to you. But you want a, a really good fertilizer that has a good bit of slow-release nitrogen. Okay, I have a, I have, I got some fifteen-five-ten, so I should save that maybe for the fall. Uh, you use the same fertilizer each time, but you need okay. to see how much of that fifteen percent is slow-release. That's the that's the important thing. Okay. Yeah. That's the important I, thing, and, and uh, right. it, it will tell you on the bag. It's going to be in the finest of fine print. If you're, <laughs> okay. if you're dealing with if if you're dealing with a local, uh, uh, good nursery or hardware store or farm store, they right. will be able to explain that to you. The big national chain stores normally don't have the the horsepower of, of people to uh, to explain it in great detail. Oh yeah, um, we have a pretty good place here with with uh, with producers co-op. Uh, you sure do. You surely do. I'm very beholden to those folks. Yeah, that would that would uh, that'd be a good source. It's not unusual okay. to get a fertilizer that has absolutely none of the middle number. If you have a clay soil, generally you don't need to add any phosphorus. 
Okay. But anyway, I would I would do that, and you use the same fertilizer. Strange as it sounds, on everything you're growing, tomatoes, everything. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's what the soil testing lab at A and M has has found to be the the recommendation. Ken, I appreciate okay. your call. They're playing my song, so I guess Thank my table's much, ready. All right. It. Have a good day. Good weekend. All right, Jared, you did well, man. You kept me on the air. That's a miracle. I usually find a way to knock myself off the air. Folks, have a great week. We'll be back live next weekend. I thank you for listening. I thank Jared for running the boards. Have a good one. Until next week, happy gardening.